Good afternoon, Tolvers. As always, it is awesome to be with you. Can I, can I invite up the, 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 the team that's going to help me with the Bible reading just to join me up front? If, uh, if, if you missed out last week, man, we had, we had fun. We had a panel um, of folks who are in uh, various industries, and we're just finishing off the... You guys can come on up and join me up here. We're, we're just finishing up the... The, the uh, uh, workplace series, uh, prison or place of destiny, and, and, and just hearing from different folks around uh, how they've journeyed through the different seasons uh, as we see in the life of Joseph. So it was awesome. And uh, uh, if you missed that, there's some awesome nuggets that the guys dropped there. So uh, do catch the, catch the podcast. I, I asked these amazing people just to help me uh, because I want to read a lot of scripture to you. This, uh, this afternoon, and uh, I thought you might get bored with my voice, um, and uh, I know you won't get bored with the scriptures, because 12 of us love the scriptures, amen, amen, so uh, I know you won't get bored with the scriptures, but you might get bored with my voice, um, so, so I've asked the guys to, uh, to help me out. If you will turn in your Bibles, please, um, to Acts uh, 27, we're, we're, we're in, in the middle of... Um, of, of, uh, of series, uh, and, and we've just come back from the Build Conference, and so just, uh, just been prayerful around what the Lord wants to speak to us today. So we're not starting um, a new series, but just want to share a word with you uh, that I felt like the Lord was placing on my heart, and uh, really loved the offering message that Candace shared, uh, because I, I could immediately see alignment there. And whenever I see alignment, whenever I see different types of confirmations of what God wants to do, I get excited because I know that there's something that he's confirming in my spirit. There's a, a faith that increases, and I know that there's something special uh, that he wants to do for you this afternoon. So are you ready to receive? Amen. All right. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to um, start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, start us off, and I'm going to read that first slide, and then, and then we're just going to go in order and, and, and read. Feel free to follow in your Bibles. We'll also put it up on, uh, on we've also put up on the slide, because you know we're kind these days. Um, uh, you know where we come from. Uh, we, <laughs> we didn't put scriptures up here, because you need to read your Bible. Bring your Bible to church, amen. All right, so this is, this is uh, the, the story of Paul uh, as a prisoner being transported from Jerusalem, detained in Caesarea, and where we're going to be reading, he's being transported to Italy via a, 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 a vessel, a cargo vessel, and they, along with a bunch of other prisoners, and the, the, there's some charges that have been leveled against Paul, and he needs to go and answer for these charges before Caesar, and I, I think there's some amazing life nuggets that we can grab out of this. So uh, where, where, where we start reading from, they had just set sail uh, from, from, uh, from Caesarea, and they're, and, they're, and they're on their way. And verse 9 uh, says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. Dun, dun, dun. Disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded with the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. 
And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. When the southwest wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained the desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a temptuous head of wind rose, called Euclidion. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island, called Cluda, and secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lace, they should run aground on the Sirtis sands. And they struck sails, so they were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we had should be saved was finally given up. But after long ab abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground to a certain island. Now when the fourteenth day had come, and as we were driven up and down on the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near to some land, and they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing least we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited, and continued without food, and eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to make nourishment, for this is your, for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Amen. Thank you, guys. Can we just give them a round of applause? Thank you for your help. Awesome. So we have the story of Paul stuck in the midst of a tempest amongst 
a host of other people, some of whom were fellow prisoners, some of whom were sailors, and the ship is a cargo ship. So the purpose of the ship, the, 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 the job was to load cargo, transport cargo from one harbor to the next harbor. And the way that people got around is that they would then uh, get a lift or, or, or buy passage on the ship to be able to get to different harbors. And you would just connect until you get to where you need to go. In the midst of their travels, a storm arises and they, and they have this fantastical moment, right? So uh, they, they, they start having to make plans and that's kind of where, where I want to focus on. Because you see, I, I, I really felt as I was praying that this was a message that was relevant for some of you sitting in this auditorium this afternoon. In the same way that Paul found himself in the middle of a storm that was not of his own doing, I felt like there were some of you that find yourself in the midst of a tempest. I felt like this message would be relevant to you to know that God sees you in the middle of your tempest and he has this message for you, you will survive. Regardless of how bad it seems, regardless of how bruised and how battered you've become, regardless of how long the storm has lasted, regardless of what people are saying around you or whether or not you can see an outcome, even if you feel like you are not in control of your life, this is what the Lord says over you. You will survive. We all face storms of various natures. And if there's somebody sitting next to you, I just want you to encourage them quickly. Would you just look at them and tell them, you will survive. You never know the storm that people are in. You never know beyond the smile. You never know beyond the laugh. It is good for us to encourage one another. Amen. I want you to carry this message away with you that the Lord speaks over you. Not only does he see your situation, but he declares this, you will survive. Now I want us to look together at the progression of the storm. So from the time that Paul steps onto the ship, until the place where we stop reading, I want us to look at the progression and the level of intensity that we're seeing. And what I see painted, or at least categorized in the scriptures, is that it progressed with the days. So, day one, say it with me, day one, Paul enters the ship. And, you don't have to say that part. Really. Come on. <laughs> Paul enters the ship and there's debate about whether or not they should cast off. 
Paul has a look at the situation and this is, this is what he says. He says, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster. I see something bad coming. Let's not cast off. But the centurion, who is the soldier who is in charge of the prisoners, goes and he consults the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship, the helmsman, and they discuss amongst themselves and they decide we have enough expertise here to be able to make a reliable decision. So the first thing that we see is that there is a departure in the path between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Paul is perceiving as the Holy Spirit gives him counsel that this voyage will not end well. But you have these three men relying on their experience, their qualification, and their position to be able to make a call. And they override Paul. And so they decide to cast off. And so when the south wind blew softly, this was their confirmation. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they cast off the soft winds of deception that lead us into the storms and the tempests of life. The soft winds, they start with a departure from godly wisdom. When we rely rather on what sounds good, what sounds like it should be right, when we rely or we hand over decision-making to people who sound like they should be making the right decisions, this person should know what they're talking about, so we'll go with them. Leads us into the storms. And so when the wisdom of God says, in order to receive, we must first give. That sounds like foolishness to some people. And the danger there is some finance expert stands up and says, well, no, in order to amass wealth, here are the seven steps, and this is what you need to follow, and none of them include generosity. God's standard says generosity. We look at that and we go, Look, this guy studied, hey, this guy's got, he's, we're talking about an MBA here. You know, we're talking about, you know, he's got 16,000 Twitter followers. He must know what he's talking about. And so we want to follow that guy. When worldly wisdom says, preserve your life, save your life, and godly wisdom says, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. What do we do? Well, this one, sounds, this one sounds right. It sounds logical. It sounds like it should work. That one just, it sounds foolish. But the foolishness of, or the foolishness of God is ultimate wisdom. And so the soft winds start to blow and they lead these men out into the deep waters. It doesn't take long because in the very next verse says, but not long after a tempestuous headwind, 
arose called Euroclidon. So not long after they had set off because of the soft winds of deception, not, after, not long after they'd been lulled into a false sense of preservation, a strong and tempestuous, a storm wind rises up and starts to contend with them. It doesn't take long before the, the small whispers, the small invitations towards sin and temptation start to overtake us. To the point, the scriptures tell us, to the point where the winds became so strong that the ship was so tossed about that they had to stop trying to control and steer the ship. They just had to give themselves over to the wind and make peace that they would be tossed to and fro. How many times have we found ourselves in the kind of storms that feel so strong that feels so unrelenting, that it feels physically as if if we don't relent, if we keep fighting, we will die, we will break. Only those of you who have found yourselves in that kind of storm will know what I'm talking about. Only those of you who have ever faced that kind of temptation will know what I'm talking about. Where it does not feel like you have any choice about this temptation. Where it doesn't feel like you have an out as if the only way forward is to hand yourself over. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. That feeling of if the Lord does not come through for me now, today I'm going to be destroyed. That's the kind of storm, that's the kind of situation that they found themselves in. And that was just day one. On the second day, say it with me, day two. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. So on day two, after the storm had continued to persist, they made a plan. They decided, in order for us to survive the storm, we're going to have to lighten the ship. What are we, we going to do? Let's take some of the cargo and let's throw it out. Let's throw out the cargo. If we throw out the cargo, we'll lighten the ship. If the ship is lighter, maybe we'll survive. Here's the problem. Now, because of an inability to yield towards godly wisdom, you find yourself in a storm, and now you're trying to deal with the situation in the storm. So what do you start doing? You start dealing with the symptoms. The cargo was never the issue. The issue was disobedience. The issue was their inability to adhere or to listen to godly wisdom. They find themselves in a storm and they start dealing with the symptoms. Let's throw out the cargo. You're throwing out the cargo in a cargo ship. That ship has lost its identity, folks. 
A cargo ship that does not carry cargo has lost its purpose and its identity. But how many times do we find ourselves in those very situations where because we are so hard-pressed, because of the situations that we're facing, the temptations, the pressures, the tempests, the storms, we start to lose our very identity. We forget our purpose. We start to do things that are unbecoming to us, things that people who know us would look at us and go, that's not like you. How could you say that? Why would you do that? That is just not the person that I know you to be. All because I'm trying desperately to deal with the storm. I'm storm-tossed, going to and fro. The waves are throwing me. I'm desperate. It's dark. I can't see where I'm going. I'm not sure if there's an outcome. I get desperate, and I start reaching out for random things that I can use as a place of solace. Some of us reach out, and in the midst of our storm, we find addictions that we can hold on to. Some of us reach out in the midst of our storms, and we find a place to zone out, to be numb, and that's our, how, how, how we deal, and that's, that's our place of refuge. Some of us reach out, and we feel out in the dark, and we find adultery as a method of dealing with our tempests and the, the storms of our lives and, and trying to reach out and regain some kind of semblance of whether it's masculinity or stability or whatever it is. And if I'm not going to cheat, then I'm going to find some porn. If I'm not going to find some porn, then I'm going to find some drink. And if I'm not going to find some drink, then I'm going to completely check out of life. And if I'm not going to do that, then I'm just going to stop going to church and I'm going to walk away from God. And if I'm not going to do that, then I'm turning against my friends. And if I'm not going to do that, then I'm changing the core and the being of who I am. And I'm deserting the purposes that God has called over me because he can't be real because why would I find myself in the storm? Am I speaking to anybody this afternoon? And that's just day two. That's just day two. We read that on day three, say it with me, day three, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. The ship's tackle is the, 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 the equipment, the, the gear that is used to, to, to steer the ship and to control the ship. So you have, you, you, you have your pulleys and your ropes and your whatever controls the sails and, and, and your anchors and your, your rudders and everything else. And, 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 and then... In desperation because we must not be light enough because it seems like we're going to sink any moment. We take out the ship's gear and we throw that out because we need to get lighter. We need to survive the storm. So what do we do in our desperation to survive the storms? We throw out control. We hand over control. Now we are in a storm without the ability to direct our direction. Now, not only is it a, a, a heart matter, not only is it that my mind has checked out, I have, literally, I do not have the ability to control the direction of my ship. 
And the scriptures tell us, we read them earlier, that it's on this day, after having thrown out the ship's tackle, that everybody arrived at rock bottom. They gave up and they waited to die. Many of us are, 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 in, are in different storms. And maybe you identify with a particular phase of the storm. And maybe you're here this afternoon and you are on day three of the storm. You've thrown out control. You've thrown out the ability to respond to the winds and to direct your ship. You've given up. You've stopped trying. You've lost hope. You don't see a way out. Remember, God says this over you. You will survive. You will survive. Something interesting happens is that after this day, after they'd labored, they'd done all that they could, the scriptures tell us that it's, it's after this day that Paul stands up. He stands up and he starts to declare, he starts to speak to the people. And, and, and it says, says that it was after a long time of fasting that he stood up and he declared a truth to them. Men, don't worry. I've received a message from God. Last night, an angel stood by me and gave me this message. Not a single life will be lost. Not a single life will be lost on this ship. Even, not even a single hair on your head will be lost. Only the ship. So I want to give you some tools to survive the storm. First thing I want to point out to you is in verse 21, Paul was prepared. Verse 21 says this, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and addressed them after long abstinence from food. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Paul didn't start fasting when it was time to stand up and do something about it. He was prepared. He lived a prepared life. How do you survive the storms? Be prepared. Don't live the kind of life that presumes that there will be no storms. Jesus has told you that there will be storms. If anybody else has ever told you that there will not be storms in your life, maybe you've been to or you've listened to particular messages, you might have even been in a particular community where you were told that as a Christian you will be exempt from storms, I just want to break that bubble from you quickly. Storms are real. Jesus put it this way, he said, in this life you will have trouble. You're not exempt from life, but guess what? It has been appointed for you to survive. It has been appointed for you to thrive because he says, take heart because I have overcome. And if Jesus has overcome, then whatever storm that you face, you will overcome. You will survive. Amen. So be prepared. Just as Paul was in the midst of the storm, not seeing a way out, but he was fasting. He was calling upon the name of God. And guess what? God responds. Here's the second thing I want to point out is that in the midst of the storm, regardless of which day you're in, in your storm, speak life. 
speak life. Verse 22 puts it this way. After having told them that you're going to survive, he says this. He says, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So what does he tell them? You're not going to die, but you are going to lose your ship. There will be consequences, but you will overcome. Because here's here's the problem with being an adult, right, is we have to face the consequences of our actions. So your ship won't make it, but you'll have your life. Some of you have ships that you need to let go in order to survive your storm. Some of you are hanging on to ships that are going down, and you're going down with them. And the Lord is saying, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. But let's be realistic. The ship is not going to survive. Now, I need to say this because I once gave an example that's similar to this, and somebody came up to me afterwards and asked me to pray for them because they received confirmation that they need to leave their husband when I said that. Um, <laughs> so, so, thus is the Lord. The ship is not your marriage. It's recorded. But you need to part with some ships. <laughs> some of you will catch that a bit later. In order to survive. Third thing that Paul does is that he glorifies God. Verse 23, he says, For there stood by me this night an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, that God, I, believe, I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. An angel of the Lord appears to Paul, relays this message. Paul relays this message to the people. Guys, it's all going to be okay. In the midst of the storm, day three, it's all going to be okay. I want to confess that from time to time, when I'm in the middle of a storm, especially when there are people around me and we're in a storm together, we don't see a way out and there doesn't seem to be much, much of a solution, it becomes difficult to profess the name of Jesus. It becomes difficult to declare to declare that we will be saved, to declare that we will survive because I'm going, yeah, what if we don't though? And I've already put myself out there. I've already declared, well, guys, Jesus is going to come through for us. He's going to... The, the, the most, one of the easiest ways to identify it is that, you know, you know that, 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 that fear that creeps in when you see somebody that you know you need to pray for and God is, is wanting you to pray for this person for their healing and you know you need to pray for this person but you just keep putting distance between you and this person because what if I go up to them and I say Jesus wants me to pray for you and he's going to heal you and I pray for them and nothing happens. So Jesus, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to protect your reputation. (laughs) And we're just going to let this one pass. But the next one, I'm fired up for the next one, Lord. Give me opportunity to send me, Lord, send me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. (laughs) 
But in the midst of the storm, without seeing a way out, Paul declares, the Lord has spoken to me and he has told me that we will survive. In fact, he goes on, the scriptures tell us, he goes on to, to, to break his fast. So he takes food and he eats and he gives to the sailors around him. He says, eat guys, let's gain our strength. Why? Because we're going to survive. We're going to make it out of here. Here's the kicker. When we read on, we see that the storm they were in lasted an entire two weeks. They were caught in a storm for 14 days. We're just on day three. Paul declares on day three we're going to survive. What do, you, what do you suppose happened on day four? We're not told, but, but let's, let's just imagine because you know, we're human. So we're, in, we're in a boat. Things are looking bad. Somebody stands up and says, an angel appeared to me. Not, not I have a sense. Not I declare according to the script. An angel appeared to me. We're going to be all right. Tomorrow. Tiam? What was the name of that angel? <laughs> Natasha, he says. <laughs> well played. Day five. Day six. Day seven. Day, day ten. We're going, false prophet. <laughs> we would stone you if there were stones on the ship. In fact, with the, right at the end of the story, we see that the guys on day 14, when they've lost all hope, there's no way forward. What they do is they, they start to let down the anchors because they're going, okay, this, this ship gonna, is going to be overturned. They start to let down the anchors and, uh, and, and, and some of the guys start to conspire together and they pretend, they go to the back of the ship, they pretend to let down one of the anchors, but they're letting down a small boat to escape because they figure, well, whether we die here or we die out there. So they're letting down a small Paul sees these guys and he goes to the centurion and he goes, these guys are trying to escape. God has given me a word. Unless we all stay in this boat, we will not make it. The last thing I want to tell you Surviving your storm, stay engaged. Stay engaged. You may be in a storm of your own stupidity, or you may not. It may not even be your fault. But if God has given you a word, if God has given you a promise, if God has told you that he's going to come through for you and he's going to deliver you, stay engaged. Don't make your own plan. Don't try and get out the boat if God hasn't told you to get out. If you find yourself in the storm and God has given you a word, he's told you you're going to survive, he's told you there's a way out for you, then stay in it, trust him, and you'll see breakthrough. The very next morning, the, the clouds started to part and they saw from a distance, they, they've been close to an island all along, the island of Malta. In fact, it was swimming distance away so they could jump out of the boat and they could swim there. And those who couldn't swim could float there on pieces of, of wood. Yeah, you guys are laughing because you know that's you. <laughs> I can't swim, but I can survive. I'm in the water. Don't ask me to change direction. That's me. I'm just, don't get my attention. Don't distract me. I'm just, I can get from one end of the pool to the other. One breath. Stay engaged. And you will survive the storm. So let's recap. 
How do you survive a storm? One, prepared. Live a prepared life. Stay close to Jesus. Read your Bible. Pray fast. Make it a habit to rely on him because when you rely on him in the good times, you'll rely on him in the storms. Speak life. Don't look at your storm and speak destruction. Oh, it's over. Oh, I knew it. Oh, I should have become a... Help me, Jesus. Um, Glorify God. Glorify God. In the midst of the storm, declare his truth. Don't wait till the storm is over and go, well, actually, guys, 10 days ago, Jesus did speak to me. I just want to give him glory right now. I just want to praise him that he did let me know that we were going to survive. And I've been interceding in the background and trusting and, and waiting and laboring on my knees. Don't do that. Be bold. Let Jesus worry about his reputation and don't care about yours. And you'll survive. Stay engaged. You'll survive the storm. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I felt like the Lord laid this message on my heart for, for you guys and really want to encourage you to grapple with it and to, and to allow Jesus to continue to, 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 minister, uh, to minister into your heart. And I want to pray for, I'm just going to pray a general prayer for everybody, but if, if you feel like this, this is something specific that you're grappling with and you really want to pull heaven over yourself um, in, in this area, then I want to encourage you to raise your hands. And that, that's just a, 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 an act of faith. It's not, there's nothing magical about it, but if you, want to, if you want to step out in faith, if you don't feel the need to do so, then, then, then don't. You can just pray in your heart, but I'm just going to pray a general prayer. And if, if this is something that, that you're trusting God for, then, then you go ahead and, 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 and do business with him and just adopt that, that um, faith position. And one of the easiest faith positions is just to raise your hands like this and just and, and in, in, in an open body posture. This just declares that I'm open, I'm ready, I'm willing to receive and I'm, and I'm humble enough to do so. And so, Father, you see these hands that are raised before you. You see the hearts that come before you, Father. And I, I, I know that there are many, Father, because you've told me who are in storms, who are facing storms, who are feeling bruised and are feeling battered and are not sure about a way out and, and are feeling like they're at the end of their thread and, 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 and close to giving up and some who even have already given up. And Father, I pray that you would give them hope. I pray, Father, that you would just pour down just hope and that you would allow faith to arise in their hearts now to know that you have given them the the ability to navigate the storm. Father, I pray that you would visit them even as the angel visited Paul, that you would visit them and that you would let them know that you are with them, you see them in their storm and their survival and thriving is their lot. That they will, not, they will not die, they will not be destroyed, but you will be glorified when they survive. Father, those who are, who, who, are, who, are, who are bruised and wounded and don't feel like they even have it in them, don't feel like they even have that strength anymore to trust you, Father, I pray that you'd minister to those wounds now. I pray, Father, that you'd just allow your anointing to fall over them like a healing balm that they would just feel, even right now, where they stand, they would feel you touching them, your presence working in them. 
some of you will feel saints as as the lord is already touching you right now you'll feel different sensations in your body whether it's a it's a change in temperature some of you will feel just a a heat rising in your body uh maybe the other way maybe a sense of of being cold or, or or goosebumps or just a quickening in your heart these are all signs of, of, of stuff happening in you as the Lord is starting to deal. He's starting to heal those areas of wound. He's allowing faith to be implanted and hope to be implanted inside of you and to rise up to anoint you for the storm. I thank you, Father, for this work. I glorify you, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.